This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you to examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Good morning, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly. By the way, if you have any comments or questions about today's topic or any other shows, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. That's inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. So the hybrid ethics etiquette dilemma this week is about having pictures of your first wife or first husband hanging in the house after you've remarried. Now, I'm speaking of deceased spouses, not ex or divorced spouses. So that's a different matter. Let me give you an example. I know a man whose wife of 30 years died unexpectedly. They had two daughters who were young adults at the time. Seven or eight years after she passed away, the man remarried. He and his new wife live in the same house where he and his first wife lived and raised their two children. Problems arose when the second wife took down all the pictures of the first wife. She didn't want any on display in the house at all. This upset the daughters who visited frequently with their own children. They would like some pictures of their mother in the house. It's now become a major family conflict. Is this solvable? What insights and perspectives can you offer to the father, husband, who's caught in the middle, to the second wife, and to the two daughters? Mike, I'm going to go to you first and ask you to lend us your wisdom. Wow, setting me up here. This is complicated, and of course, like so many things in life, it depends. It depends. Yeah, there you go. I know you. (laughs) You go to that phrase a lot. Well, I do. I guess it's it's guided me very well through life. You said seven to eight years after? Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. You know, and I think there's sort of a spectrum here. So shortly after the death of a loved one, especially someone you've lived, you know, much of a life with, it might be expected that you, you know, you have a, a lot of prominent uh, remembrances of that person in your home. If you move into a new relationship and you're interested or committed to that relationship, I think you have to make change. And change has to be made on both sides, on the side of the widow or widower and of the, on the side of the new spouse. Um, one thing in the scenario kind of caught my attention when you said that the new wife went around and took down all the pictures of the deceased wife. Yes. And, you know, if that was a unilateral decision on her part, and she just kind of like redecorated and didn't bother telling her husband, that's a foul. And uh, that should have been a shared decision. They should have talked about it. I tend to be with the kids on this one. I think at some place in the home, there should be a discreet, powerful memory in a picture of the of the mother, especially if that's important to the, the two adult daughters. Because that, that stepmom, the new wife, I'm guessing she wants to have a positive, constructive relationship with her, her stepdaughters. You know, she's, she's got to bend, too. She can't have it all her way. There yeah, you go. So, it depends, Marna. <laughs> so let me follow up with uh, two precision questions, I guess. Um, you said discreet, a discreet location in the house. What do you mean by that? You know, it shouldn't be the first thing you see when you walk through the front door, and it shouldn't be in, you know, a life-size picture. (laughs) You know, something out of, something I think that certainly not in the bedroom, certainly not the first thing you see when you walk in the house. 
but somewhere in a discreet place, in a in a kind of out of the way place, where yet where it can be seen. The laundry room. Um, you know, Marna, I think you're <laughs> I think you're pushing it there. The garage. The garage. Uh, yeah, the garage. <laughs> inside the dog's crate. Now those are just not good options. No, not not going with those. So So like a hallway or perhaps the guest room. Yeah. You know how We're, some families have kind of like a, co- a collection of pictures on the wall, you know, a bunch of different things that remind them of wonderful people or wonderful times. Maybe integrated into that. It's not like that person is gone. There's still a presence there. They're still, you know, they still serve to to create the reality that that new wife is living in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's very selfish of people to want to expunge the past just for their own benefit. Yeah, I don't Um, think that's ever a good idea. Yeah. So, again, this is tricky, tricky territory. And when you get into... You know, new relationships after the death of a loved one. It's, it's difficult. There's a lot. I was doing some research, and there's just a, there's a whole cottage industry on, you know, how to date a widower, how to date a widow, you know, on and on and on. So, so another precision question is, who is in the picture? Is it a lovely portrait of the deceased husband or deceased wife, or is it a family picture? Is it a picture of the couple? Yeah, so let's go back to the scenario. I think ideally in this situation, it would be that deceased mother with her daughters, not the husband. If if the new wife has trouble with that, then get him out of the picture. And I'm, you know, I'm guessing you could find something like that. Yeah, I think that's probably a good compromise. Yeah, it should not be their wedding portrait. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have like a framed uh, wedding invitation or, you know, wedding <laughs> on the mantle. Those kind of things, I think, are way beyond the pale, let's say. Okay. So those are some good insights. Kelly, I know you're itching to jump in here. I want to hear what Kelly has to say. (laughs) Oh, me me too. I don't know that I'm itching to jump in because this is is tricky. Um, It is tricky. And and there's no legal aspect. So, I mean, Uh I'm going to start... Yeah, I'm going to start with a saying because I think some of the things I'm going to say may sound kind of harsh. So I'm I'm saying this to acknowledge that I'm really judging here. You know, there's a there's a statement or a saying before you judge a man, walk a mile in his shoes. So or, I, I, or how about saying don't take this wrong? Yeah, don't take this wrong because I, you know, I I've never been in this situation, so I'm I'm just going to be super direct, but I don't mean to sound judgy, but I think uh, I think I will sound that way. But as far as the dad where the husband is concerned, who remarried, I think he needs to step up and and be an advocate for his daughters with his new wife. It's completely unacceptable if she goes around the house and just takes down all the pictures. You know, either she talked with him and did it, you know, and communicated as Mike brought up. He said he wasn't clear about it and he let her do it or she just did it and he never said a word. So shame on him. I mean, he should, even though his daughters are grown, um, he was married to his wife for, th- you know, for 30 years. And, you know, she should have some presence in the home. You know, it's not like she never existed. So I'm disappointed in him. And unfortunately, I think it's not uncommon, especially when men remarry, that they just sort of let the woman, you know, the stepmom run the show. And I agree. That's he, pretty common. That's very disappointing and and wrong. As far as the second wife is concerned, I mean, I do have some sympathy for her in that, you know, that's a difficult situation to remarry someone like him and then move into the home, the same home that, you know, he lived in with his wife and with the children for years. I mean, right away, that seems like a bad call, right? I mean, there's all this 
presence there of, of their former life. It might have been nice for them to start over somewhere else. She sounds like she needs to go to therapy or something. <laughs> a a <laughs> I mean, teensy weensy insecure? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the woman is dead. Like, uh-huh. you won. You're alive. You're married to him. She's dead. Like, what are you worried about? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I agree with Mike. There's got to be some appropriate places where we could have photos of you know, the daughter's mother in the guest rooms, you know, like, like Mike said, in an area where there are a number of family photos. She did exist. She is their mother. She, and that should, you you can't make that go away. And, and, you know, like, I'm kind of like, what's the matter with her? But I do appreciate that she's in a tough spot in in the Mm -hmm. home, etc. And then as far as the daughters are concerned, I mean, I'm with Mike, I think their position and, you know, makes the most sense. I mean, it really, it sounds like they're the ones that are dealing with this and probably the most disappointed um, in their dad, really. And I'm sure in the character of their stepmom or lack of character. Um, I mean, all they can do is try to relax and ease up and be happy for their dad. As far as the pictures being taken down, probably the thing to do is ask their dad for the photos. They can have a photo of their parents, you know, their parents' wedding picture at their home and pictures of their mom at their own home and try to handle it that way. Yeah. You know, I can I can tell you that both of my grandmothers died when my parents were children. You know, I was thinking about this and um and I don't recall seeing photos of them in the homes when I would visit my grandfathers. And then my one grandfather actually died when I was young and so but he had remarried so I had a grandmother who really was my grandmother but she wasn't a blood relative she was a step grandmother (laughs) yeah but she always talked about my grandfather like she remarried she never stopped talking about him (laughs) I sort of felt bad for her for her husband because she just so adored my grandfather she spoke of him all the time but I don't recall pictures of my grandfather being in their apartment they lived in the in New York City so but that's really different than the situation that that we're talking about here well I know that he feels like he's in a really tough spot between his wife and his children Uh, oh yeah it's a it's difficult I mean he's got to get some some kahunas here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's the matter with the guy, but it's 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 very typical. Like I have a dear friend whose uh, mother passed away, and her dad remarried like in six months after her mother died. He was literally online, you know. Oh, you're when kidding! She, when she six was months? home, yeah, when she was home for her mother's funeral. So wow. yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, he's just worried about himself. Like I need a wife. Like I got to move on. What about me? And yeah. I almost feel like that's what's going on with this with this husband. I mean. If his daughters are a little upset, that's fine. They live somewhere else. You know, he's got this new wife. She's cooking and taking care of him and whatever. I got to have her happy. Path of least resistance. (laughs) Man, you're coming down really hard on this husband. It wasn't really about him, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I kind of think it is about him. (laughs) I think it's incumbent on him to get everybody together and talk about the sensitive situation and figure out what they can do, which is respectful to all involved, the daughters, the new wife, their deceased mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I would get the new wife to go to therapy because she's got some issues. (laughs) Wow. Kelly. What the hell is she Something that isn't a legal issue. Boy, you're pretty opinionated on this one. I know. I just don't know what she's worried about. She's remarried him. He obviously is kind of taking her side. Like, what does she think? The woman's going to come back from the dead? I mean, like, you won. 
Relax. Yeah. Well, it's not even really a, a win or lose situation. It's just, it is no, what it but, is. Right. But I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, like she's not competition. She's gone. No. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the, the living win, the living right history, they decide. Right. And I could understand if the house was a shrine to the sainted first wife with pictures everywhere. Yeah, that's too much. If the wedding photo, 8 by 10 color portrait was on the mantle, yeah, that would be. What that means is that in this case, the, the surviving spouse is not ready to move on. They're just not ready to be in a new relationship. And so somebody who comes into that situation should look around and go, whoa, this is not where I want to be. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So I have a friend who, whose first husband died when their son was two, and then three years after that, she remarried, and the second husband became the de facto dad to her son. But I noticed there are no pictures of the first husband in their house, except for one picture of him when he was a boy in the living room to show how much he looks like the son. And there are pictures of the grandparents, you know, the deceased husband's parents on the family wall. And there are pictures of the deceased father in the son's room, but there are no other pictures throughout the house. However, I knew her first husband, and we freely talk about him. Not a lot, but when we do talk about him in front of her new husband, you know, we freely, and it's not uncomfortable, and he's fine with it, and he's not bothered. And so I asked her about her decision on photo placement, and um, she basically said, figure something out that's respectful to all involved. And she said pictures of her and her first husband together are still in the house, but they're in a scrapbook. And uh, she's not going to get rid of them, but they're not out on display. She has a new marriage now. Yeah, and that sounds perfect. It's a, a pretty remarkable attitude towards the whole thing. And the second husband, too. I mean, the fact yeah. that we freely talk about, beca- mm-hmm. because this the loss certainly did inform the family dynamics of both right. of them. Right. Yeah, I mean, but I'm sure she set the stage. Like, she knew what she wanted. You know, she. I'm sure, you know, when they were dating, you know, everything was communicated, spoken of, or she knew in her selection of a spouse what she was looking for. Because the whole thing sounds really healthy and appropriate, right? But I'm sure she's the one that sort of made it clear that this is the way it needed to be for, for her son. She put her son first. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it is that he's he was a child, right, when she right. married. And, right. and he doesn't she, have any strong memories of his father, biological right. father. Right. And that's like the same, I was talking about my grandmother, who's not really my grandmother, but she remarried my dad's dad when my dad was like 11 or something and my dad really considered her his mom so you know I totally get it it just sounds like she really just handled it perfectly on behalf of the son and then keeping the grandparents involved and it just sounds like she handled it well the dad and the example that we talked about at the beginning of the show just sounds weak you know right Mm-hmm. You know, I'm heartened by each of you know families where this has been gracefully handled. And um, I know three where a spouse died and then there was a remarriage and, you know, each handled it in their own way. But kind of like what you were mentioning, Marna, where the deceased spouse was not, not a topic that was off limits. You know, he was part of their lives. I mean, he 
he'd fathered children. I think that's got to be the way you you handle these things. Anyone who comes into a a late-in-life relationship, I think they kind of need to know that this isn't young love. You're not going to be the one and only. Maybe that's a bit pessimistic. I don't know. But um, I know it's called coming into relationships with baggage with when baggage, they're late in yeah, life. With, with a life, with a <laughs> life be behind you of experience, of, of joy, of sorrow, of you know victory and defeat. So I think people who expect everything to be made right for them this time later in life. Let me put it that way. You know, you you have to compromise in different ways. Yeah. And um, you just don't always get it your way. So, yeah. and, I mean, right. it's like raising control. kids. Yeah, you can't control everything. Right. Everything and can't go your way. I mean, I, you know, and if you feel that it must, don't get married to, to somebody, that, you know, like the gentleman in our example. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, blended families are yeah. always a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to understand what you're signing up for. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of pictures and, you know, I am, I am a historian, Marna, you know that. There's a saying which I think comes out of ancient Egypt, ancient Egyptian thought or mythology or something, but it's that you die twice, and once is when you pass away physically from the earth, and the second time you die is the last time that anyone holds you in memory or mentions your name. I think it's important just for the the health of an entire family, especially absolutely when there are kids involved, that that deceased father, mother... Um, remains part of the framework. Oh, yeah. And In fact, so. I was going to tell you that my friend said when her husband died, another friend of hers called and said, keep talking about your husband. Make sure that you're always that you're allowed to talk about him and his death in the family as your son grows up because this friend had lost her mother when she was young, and the family decided that they would never mention her in her presence or anything, and it was verboten. And she, that really tore her up that yeah. nobody talked about her mother. Yeah. Well, and it depends on the circumstances of, of the death. Like, I know my mom lost her mom when she was seven or eight, and it was a um, sudden tragic accident. So it was really traumatic for my grandfather. And it just, so it was really hard. There, there were a lot of issues that flowed from it. I know that one of my colleagues' husband died when her children were young, you know, like 11 and 7, and she she was friendly with my mom and asked my mom, like a day or two after Don died, and, you know, what do you recommend? And I was surprised, like, I didn't find about it until much later, but my mom had specific recommendations, and, you know, one of them was to put together a scrapbook with and to have friends and colleagues of Don's, because he was an attorney and he was a fine attorney, write letters about Don and recollections about him, like immediately. And, you know, so that the kids would be able to always look at the scrapbook and be reminded of their dad's personality and his life experiences and the things he did when he practiced law and um, funny stories and keep him alive in their memory. That's yeah. very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything else you want to add, Mike? I just want to say that I don't, I don't know where this fits in. You're probably going to edit this out, Marna. But, uh, you know, Kathy and I have had this discussion about, you know, looking forward, like what would happen if. And I've made it abundantly clear to her and, and she to me that please don't mourn me. Get on with your life. You know, move move if you want to. Uh do what, whatever suits you best. Get into a new relationship if that's what you want to do. But kind of giving, you know, someone who you 
care deeply about, you know, permission to to move along in the past. And I guess I hadn't considered the picture angle before, but, you know, that would apply too. Keep a wallet-sized photo of me in a in a dusty drawer somewhere, but otherwise move on with your life. You know? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. A little bit we're, more than that. <laughs> we're not going to let Kathy get away with that. <laughs> yeah. So. So anyhow, it's uh, it's interesting that uh, we've talked about this this morning because uh, it's been meaningful yeah. for me because it's made me think of these three families that I just had never put them all in that same category. Mm-hmm. But they're just, you know, they're remarkable. And the way they integrate, you know, the living with the dead, okay, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, it takes a lot of grace and it takes a lot of sensitivity and respect yeah. to do that. I did want to end with a a story from my life, not about death, but my parents divorced when I was 12. And about 10 years ago, we had an 80th birthday for my dad, and we had a bunch of 8x10 pictures, which we hung around the um, venue hall on light strings. And there was a big debate between my sisters and me about, should we put these pictures of my mom and dad together? Because we had a lot of family pictures from when we were all young. And some people said, no. Some people said, yes, my dad's been remarried for 30-some years. And she was my stepmother was going to be at the party. And we thought maybe it would hurt her feelings. But in the end, we did put the pictures up of my mom and dad. And at the party, when my dad said a few words, he said, I admit I was a little shocked to see pictures of my ex-wife hanging on the walls. <laughs> but he said, I guess, I guess what that shows you is that at times in my life, I've been married to two remarkable women. And I thought that was really wonderful of him. Bravo. Yeah. I mean, I'm really blessed. You know, my dad remarried um, after my parents were divorced, and he's been with his wife for many years, even before they married, and she's just great. And I just have to remind myself of that. She had been a really successful businesswoman. She was never married before, never had children. She married my dad, and, you know, my dad has four kids, you know, a bunch of grandchildren, a whole bunch of stuff going on. There's the baggage. Yeah, and she's just, she just handles it all. She doesn't act like my mom doesn't exist. She, you know, she's super, super graceful. So I'm wow, just... that's a great so, example. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at Christmas when we get together, she has a, she generally has a gift for my mom. Really? Like a little gift for my mom. Wow. Yeah. So your mom and your stepmom are at the same celebration. Yeah, just, you know, briefly there'll be some crossover. I mean, we... We generally are like doing stuff with my mom or doing stuff with my dad and his wife. Um, But, you know. I love to hear stories like that Mm -hmm. because sometimes there can be so many conflicts. And I'm spoiled. I mean, we're all spoiled. I need to like remind myself of that. Like, wow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. the, the, The confidence on her part and the selflessness. She's pretty much off the charts in both those categories. Yeah, she just, and, and she should feel that way. I mean, you know, my dad's married to her. She's tough on my dad, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes my sisters and I are like, oh, no, oh, God. Do you want <laughs> poor, me to keep that in, Kelly? Poor dad. It doesn't matter. She knows it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that there was a lot of conflict in uh, my blended family, but 40 years into it, everybody, it's all been smoothed out. Yeah. I mean, 12 is, is young. You know, like, I don't know when your dad remarried. We were yeah. we were pretty much all adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which made it easier, I think. Right. A couple of years ago, my dad and stepmother traveled out to New Mexico to visit my sister. And while they were there, they stayed at my mom's house with her. Wow. And uh, I said, wow, there's a new world order here. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. kidding. See, and again, that's, I guess that's to everybody's credit, right? You know, that's 
wonderful. Yeah, I commend them. Speaks really well of them. It's been a really neat episode. I just, it kind of is a little uplifting that, you know, people can get through tragedy and move along and find a new way that's best for everybody who's, those of us who are left behind, you know? Yeah, being human and being in relationships with other humans always lends itself to a good show. (laughs) And there's plenty of material. Okay, this has been a great conversation today. Let's keep it going. Send us an email or leave a voicemail at our website, ethicsandetiquette.com. Check out our Instagram at ethicsetiquette and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'd appreciate it if you took time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Thanks for being with us this week, and please join us again. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. See you then.